0: You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Locked On Indians podcast. I am Jeff Ellis. The podcast is brought to you again by Ohio vs. Everyone, the fantastic new sports site all about Ohio sports. Go check out Matty B and the Indian site in particular. I've known Matt for years. Great guy. Very knowledgeable. Ohio vs. Reverse. Everyone. Go check it out today. So let's lead off with sad news. Uh, Tom Seaver is passed. Uh, It's been within the hour that I've learned this information, and I think within the hour since it's announced when I'm recording. Now, if you're someone who listens to the podcast every day, thank you. First off, second off, you've already heard this story, but I think it's worth bringing up again how close Tom Seaver came to being a Cleveland Indian and kind of how crazy the world was. So Tom Seaver signed a professional contract in 1966. He had been a first round pick, 20th overall by the Braves that year. Uh, I believe that was in his junior year. He was set to, and he signed that contract with the Braves. It took a while to get there, but he signed. The contract was then voided because his college team had played two exhibition games already that year now Seaver had not played at all he had not in, played yet so he was the commissioner of baseball William Eckert had said nope you uh you can't sign a contract you've already played and then because he had signed a contract the NCAA ruled him ineligible Seaver had been like okay whatever I'm gonna go play baseball and then the NCAA said he couldn't play so All of a sudden, he became a man without a team, and his father complained and threatened a lawsuit, and the commission relented. And Eckert said that other teams could match the Braves' offer, and this was uh, 1966. And the craziness of the time was only three teams matched the Braves' offer, and it was the Philadelphia Phillies, the Cleveland Indians, and the New York Mets. So Cleveland had a 25 percent chance to land Tom Seaver. Who would get to the majors in 67? If you're not familiar with the 67 Indians, well, you know, this was appropriate that the uh, late 60s had manager Al Dark in there because it was a dark time for the franchise. Uh, 67, they were 8 and 10, or 8 out of 10 teams, uh, they were 3rd th- uh, out of 10 teams. In 1968, in the AL, and then 69, you go to the AL East, and they are fifth or sixth almost every year. In the early 70s, they do get a stretch of fourths in the mid 70s, and it's crazy to me because again, if you were someone who was not listening to the show back then, there was a GM who was the GM that whole time, 18 years as a GM. I talked about it when I had the interview with my father. If you listen to that one recently, guy uh, was I'm trying to. Was it Phil uh, Seghi? It might have been him. He uh, doesn't have his years here. But if it was him, then he was the GM for 18 years of a team that was never 500, constantly lost every trade it made, and uh, he was never fired. He retired and chose his own replacement. It's crazy. So that year where Cleveland finished third, they were 21 games behind the Detroit Tigers. Baltimore was second. And that Tigers team was, uh, part of the strength of that Tigers team was thanks to the Indians who had, uh, traded away Norm Cash to the Tigers for nothing. And, um, Calabito wasn't still there. So that was before the deal. I'd have to go look at the years of it after, um, either way, you know, Norm Cash, who was the best hitter on that team, I believe, uh, if not, he was still an all-star level talent for them was someone who, uh, they gave away. So those are that's what was happening to the Indians at the time. Does it does uh, Tom Seaver allow them to win the vision the division in you know '68 the one year they come close in a second season? I mean, he was already good, but it, it wouldn't be enough. Let's be honest. They were not a good enough team. You know they're barely over 500 that year. They wouldn't even sniff 500 until 1976, where they'd be 500 again and then after that they would not get over 500 until 1994. So yeah, if you're keeping track at home, uh, let's 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 play the fun game of before the 90s Indians. What were the five times the Indians were better than 500 before the 90s? You ready? We're going to we're going to play this depressing game. Uh, okay, so we've already talked about some of these ones, you know, you go to 76, then we go down to 67. Or, I'm sorry, 68, not 67. So 76, 68, back-to-back in 59 and 58, and then 56. And again, that's, that's the run of goodness in the 50s. Essentially, between the 90s and the 50s, which were their two runs, really, that the organization had outside of the, uh, the teens and the 20s, uh, it was a wasteland. They had nothing. They were they were lucky to be over 500. Their best season was like a 5'11 winning percentage in, in between the 50s and the uh, the 90s. That's that's how bad it got for the Cleveland Indians. So Tom Seaver, I mean, it would have been awesome to have him in Cleveland just by the historicalness of what a player he was. Maybe, you know, those uh, 80s teams that did have some talent would have come together better if they had uh, been able to have someone of Seaver's level and then not blow the trade when they inevitably traded him. Um, You know, he did leave in part of that midnight massacre from New York. Uh, Or I'm sorry, yeah, because he was traded during that time. Um, And not much was got, it looks like, for him in his trade to Cincinnati. But yeah, it's... uh, it's fun to think about. And Seaver is one of, if you're building one of the rotations, the all-time rotations in baseball history, Seaver's in there. He's one of the five best pitchers in the history of the game. And he he had a 25% chance to come to Cleveland. And it's also just interesting from the Cleveland perspective, you know, when he came, the pitching staff was good. Uh, 67, that team, Louis Tion, Sudden McDowell, Steve Hargan was good that year. He was the guy who was a little bit up and down. Sonny Siebert was still in town. They hadn't traded him for uh, Hawk Harrelson yet. They would have had a really, really good rotation. Unfortunately for them, uh, they didn't get um, Tom Siever and they traded Sonny Siebert and got nothing to show for that. So, yeah, not, not a great time to be an Indians fan, but it is fun to think about that Tom Siever could have been someone. 25% chance, and then how weird and how much has the game changed? that, uh, nowadays, can you imagine, I mean, for the cost of a draft pick, which is probably even a, a cheaper amount, I mean, it's definitely lower because we're talking about the sixties, but I bet even if you did inflation, I bet his inflated contract wouldn't match up with what a lot of teams play nowadays, pay nowadays for drafted kids. So it was, it was nothing. And, uh, only four teams had any interest in it. So that's the Tom Seaver story. I thought it was worth revisiting, uh, with the news of his passing, what a, what a legend. What a fantastic talent. Uh, just one of the great players in the history of baseball. You know what else is great? Sponsors. And sponsors are what allow a podcast to stay on the air. Um, it allows this great network to continue to exist, which uh, is, again, I'm very proud to be part of the Lockdown Network. It's the first place I have ever been in my many romps and runs as a writer, as an attempted journalist that is trying to do its best to take care of its people um, to provide a, a stream of income, not enough to live on, but but more than uh, than I have seen anywhere else for work. So I'm just, before I even get into the ads, I just want to take a second again and say, like, feel good about listening to any and all products on this network because, again, they're taking care of their people in a way I have never seen anything else in my time, take care of its people. And that means something. So uh, take a second and, you know, thank you for listening because that is why they can do that. that is why we have the reach to get all the ad sponsors we have. Um, Again, it's it's not a livable amount. Don't think it's a huge amount, but even getting a regular amount that's, you know, over a hundred bucks or something like that is a huge deal. That means a lot to someone in my position. Um, So again, Thank you. And if you're someone who listens to multiple podcasts, double thank you. Like, feel good about that because, again, this network is doing more than anything I've ever seen to take care of people, and that's, that's just a little die tribe. But let's talk about those fantastic sponsors that allow such things like that to happen. Our first sponsor is Postmates. I won't read the ad copy today. You know Postmates. Postmates have been a sponsor for over a year now. That is awesome. Thank you, Postmates. Postmates makes your life easier. They allow you to be lazy. You use their app and you're going to use the promo code locked on, one word, and you're going to get $100 of free delivery credit in the first seven days. Why is that awesome? Because Postmates brings everything to you. You know, it'll bring you fast food, it'll bring you groceries, it brings you things from the convenience store. You just pop up the app and you see where it is and it'll get, to, get it to you within the hour. So, Postmates makes your life easier. It makes your life significantly easier. So, go ahead, use that code, take a weekend. Weekend's coming up. Don't go out. Be lazy. Stay in. Postmate it. Use that promo code locked on, and have fun. Tell me what you used. What'd you get? What's uh, what's looking good? I feel like I'm running out of. Uh, I use my Postmates mostly for food. I'm always running out of food ideas after I've used it so heavily during the pandemic. Remember to use that promo code locked on though, so they know we sent you, and so you get that free hundred dollars of delivery credit. Our next sponsor is Indeed.com. I'm not gonna talk about their competition, but I can tell you as someone who graduated from college at Ohio State with a history degree, I spent a lot of time on job search websites and I had nothing to show for it. I never managed to land anything when I went to a job search website and that is what makes Indeed special. This is a site that is set to be a premium. They get the best candidates, they get the best They get the best jobs, And what's great about it is they're giving you control. You can pause your ad. You can set up how long it's going to run for. You're going to Indeed is a place to go because candidates know it's worthwhile. You don't want to go to some of the other names. I'm not going to mention them because... We all know who have been through them that those sites are junk. Indeed is not a site with a negative reputation. It is a site you know that you should go to if you need to find a job. And that is why you need to go there if you need to find people to work a job right now. And they're offering all of our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means those quality candidates that are going to Indeed because we know it's a good site, will see it fast. Try Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash LockedOnMLB. This is the best offer they have anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash LockedOnMLB. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. So let's talk about the Indians, right? Not just uh, the hypothetical Indians. Uh, I know I tend to laugh a lot in the podcast. Uh, What do people think about that? Should I stop doing that, laughing at... uh, uh, the awkwardness of talking uh by myself <laughs> with as much as it I see it just happened again, so the Indians uh we have the game from yesterday that I more or less ignored in terms of the uh the broadcast we talked about what police Act was doing in out and around it it's um you know it, again, as much as I want to get excited about playing well, uh the Royals are really, really bad. can we just like they are. Uh, I don't want to say that there's like AAA teams that are better than them, but there might be AAA teams that are better than them. And I feel bad for the Royals because they have a bad manager. And yes, they won a World Series and he went all out. And I think that's... I'll give him credit for doing that. But, uh, I mean, they have an interesting young core. And they're awful. This isn't like the Indians trying to you know, keep the window open forever. While, you know, the Indians are good right now and they're selling off pieces and trying to keep their window open and not doing a fire sale. The Royals have been one of the worst teams in baseball over the past few years. I mean, Bobby Witt was, what, the second overall pick and then they had a fifth overall pick last year. They're 14-22 right now. And they haven't... Sold, like, Witt Merrifield should not still be on this team. They're not maximizing values. Jorge Solar should not still be on this team. They are not maximizing values. It just does not make a lot of sense they should be trading more pieces i like that they went out and were aggressive at the trade deadline but man uh don't just trade the guys who are free agents to be because they give you the smallest return be a bit smarter in it but please act six innings four hits one run no walks six strikeouts one run came by the home run we also got to see newest edition Cal quantrell two innings two hits two strikeouts Now, I was very excited we had Quantrell and Plesak in the same game. I am still disappointed that no one else is uh, as happy or enjoying the reunion of Quantrells and Plesaks as much as I am. I guess I watched too many Blue Jays games as a kid. They just had a lot of former Indians, so my grandma liked to watch them, and we we rooted for them when they weren't facing the Indians because they had a lot of players she liked, so maybe this is just a, a me thing. But that was last night's game. Uh, what was the great stat that Tribe Insider had? Uh, Tribe Insider is always a great run Twitter account. Uh, I, you have to be following it. Uh, if you're not, I don't know what you're doing if you're listening to this. But his statistic yesterday had was prior to Fran Mill Reyes going 8-for-8 eight eight with four doubles a home run and three singles, the last Indians batter to record a hit in eight straight plate appearances was Julio Franco from June 21st through 23rd of 1988. I was seven then. So, <laughs> uh, Wait. Yeah, eighty-eight. Yeah, I was 7, so I I don't know how many other people remember. I definitely was not following baseball, so uh, it it was interesting to see. The other fun thing to talk about, they tweeted out, um, I really like Mike Rosenbaum at Golden Sombrero. We have some great interactions on Twitter, mostly relating to Bill and Ted, but uh, we also talk about baseball sometimes, and they have the ranking of the—he has an article about the ranking of the best prospects that were traded— now, I don't think Taylor Trammell is quite as highly reviewed as he is um, on the sites. I, people seem to be down on him when I talked with people, uh, whereas someone like Gabe... Because Trammell struggled last towards the end of the last year, while Arias seemed to be making adjustments. But Arias, two. Cantilio, three. And then Owen Miller, seven. Personal favorite and heartthrob, Taron Vavra, six. So the Indians got three of the top guys. Now, the interesting thing when you look at this is, you know, reading up on all of it, I didn't get as much time to talk about yesterday or the day before, but Miller does not need to be added to the 40-man next year. Would the Indians add him early? Yes. Could he play somewhere? Yes. Where will he play? I don't know. Like, he could be potentially the Indians starting second baseman next year. He could be potentially in the minors. He could be... I mean, I think he's a second baseman. I don't think he's a shortstop long-term. Um, but, you know, maybe they try him out there. I mean, he did spend all of last year at shortstop. I don't think it's necessarily his best position. But if he can be, you know, an average defender with what his bat is being a little bit above average, that's a starter. That's a no-dunk, no-dunk. Wow, no doubt, slam-dunk is what I was going for. Starter for the Indians uh, or for any team at shortstop. Again, you know, Freddie Galvis, Jose Iglesias, these guys keep finding jobs for a reason. Shortstops are hard to get, uh, but it just gives them another depth option up the middle. So I thought that was interesting to see in the grand world of things. Let's check in on tonight's game while we're kind of jumping around. Tristan McKenzie, four innings, one hit, five strikeouts. Uh, I am perfectly content with him making me look like an idiot constantly. Uh, you get some wrong. I mean, I always take credit when I get them right. You know, when I call things out and I'm on the ball, I I toot my own horn all the time. So if I'm gonna do that, I also have to point out when I'm wrong. And I don't know what McKenzie has done, uh, but kudos to the Indians for working with him. Like the guys had a injury-plagued year, didn't pitch at all, and then came back and is this good. I, I don't credit, I mean, he had ability, but he is a two-pitch guy with inconsistent stuff. So I thought this was you know, it just it's, what a maneuver by the Cleveland Indians to turn him into someone that made it so they didn't, as a team, feel bad about uh, shipping Clevenger away, that they felt that they could overcome that loss without any issue. It's kind of crazy to think about, but I mean, that is essentially what he did. This performance made it so, as a team, they could move on and not have the concerns or worries about who's going to be that next pitcher up because they still have all the depth. You still have Pletko as a sixth. You still have guys like Moss and Morgan on the cusp. Uh, it just It's going to be fun. And it's also going to be interesting to see, can he keep this up even remotely close to the level he's been in the early going? So offensively in this game, uh, Naquin has a two-run home run. That is the difference in the game. Of course, the guy on base was Reyes. And that is where I don't hate the Indians' deadline. A lot of people wanted another bat, but the thing I always caution with, it's like Naquin Leblow as a platoon works. It's effective. Center field is an issue, but, I mean, Jackie Bradley Jr. wasn't that much of an upgrade. Like, go look at the numbers. He has not been good since, like, he had two really good offensive years, and then his defense has regressed. So if you go out and you add him, he would have been an offensive upgrade, but a slight one, and he would have been a big defensive downgrade. There's just not the value there in making a move like that. So I I don't know the center fielder. Yes, we don't know what happened to Starling Marte. Uh, Some news came out. I don't know if other people saw that. The Indians did make a play on him. Part of the difficulty, uh, Caleb Smith was a player that we know two years ago the Indians also made a play for, and he's the uh, centerpiece back in that deal. He has struggled with home run rate. That has been kind of his undoing through the years. But getting that solid starter with multiple years of control was valuable. Starters, you know, we've talked about ad nauseum. Everyone who's listening to this podcast knows how much value there is in a starter. And Caleb Smith has more value than a Pletko, but he has less value than any of the other starters on the Indians. So if you're looking at something like the Marte deal, I don't know who you have that's comparable. I don't. And if getting a starter was important to them... You know, are you you can't give up one of the Indians' other starters, can you? I mean, I, I don't think you can. Uh, and Plutko just does not know. I mean, he's a great swing guy, um, a good depth arm, that guy you kind of need at the back of your pen for when things get a bit hairy who can pitch a bunch of innings. But in a role beyond that, it's just not there. And the Indians, for as much as, again, Marte would have looked... If that is what the D-backs are kind of heart-set on, the Indians just don't make a lot of sense. Now I will say this. Can we double down for a second? Marte and Bradley, what are you willing to give up then? Which Is there a starter on this team you'd be willing to move? Because you're not moving Bieber, obviously. You're not moving Carrasco. You're not moving Savali. You're not moving Plesak it still makes it difficult, right? Like, it's still hard to find that. It's like, would you move Tristan McKenzie uh, with what he has shown this year? I guess that is my question. So as we come to the end of this podcast, and, you know, I, I heard the complaints about some of the free agent stuff. If you were the GM, would you trade Tristan McKenzie and a lesser prospect, a player to be named later, for Starling Marte and Archie Bradley? I would consider it. A few months ago, I would have said, heck yeah, and moved on without issue. If you are the guy in charge of the team, would you make that call? I think I still would. What are your thoughts? They moved both those players. Bradley has multiple years of control. Stuart Fairchild is a good, not great prospect. And they got uh, just kind of a filler relief arm. And they got good, not great prospects along in the other deal. So I really think you could make a case for a, a lesser, lesser piece with Tristan McKenzie. Could net you both of those players. Do you make that deal? Yes or no? Let me know. What are your thoughts? Tomorrow's show, we are going to preview a Brewers team that uh, is currently out of the playoff hunt. Uh, Very odd approach to this season. They have a ton of one-year contracts. We'll get into that in depth tomorrow on the show. So stay tuned to hear all about the Milwaukee Brewers. I have been Jeff Ellis. You have been a fantastic audience. As always, this has been the Locked On Indians podcast. And as always, go Tribe!